Hello, hello, and welcome to Free Talk with Mr. B. Our guest today, Shelly Ann, is talking about her experience at work. Many of us experience certain amount of aggression, but she, she had to look on the bright side. Let's jump right in with Shelly Ann right here on Free Talk. Free Talk with Mr. B. listening to Free Talk with Mr. B. Good afternoon, Shelly Ann. Welcome to Free Talk with Mr. B. Thank you. Nice to be here. Good, good, good. It was good. Um, I was talking to you right before and we were discussing um, where you're from and that we were actually related as family. You are my cousin. Yes. And yeah. uh, you're born in the southern part of Trinidad and Tobago, San Fernando. Yes. And uh, your family is from Palo Seco, Santa Flora, and areas like that. Yes, that's I, correct. Okay, good. And I also told you that I too was born in Palo Seco. Palo and, Seco, uh, wow. And so those southern areas, I left that island at nine, so I don't know much about things. Wow. So I was nine years old. Um, so in 1974, and when I left the St. Croix, and you were born in 77, you said? Yes, that's right. Okay, great, great, good. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad to have you on. And I was just playing catch up now for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you said you had three children? Yes, three so children. Twenty-six. Uh-huh. Recently turned 16 year old and uh, 11 year old who's 12, or should be going on 12, but she's heading for 20. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And I was telling you that this kind of generational, that's um, generationally speaking, we have so much technology and modernity that people grow up fast, but the young ones, yeah. they have so much available to them, they don't want to wait for the sequence of time. True, so true. It's like, when you're rushing, going, take your time. I wish I was younger. (laughs) (laughs) And it's natural to wish that, but we have, um, even me, so many things I said I wish I had when I was younger, but maybe I don't. Maybe I'm glad I have it technology that I'm older. Older, yes. Right? Now, I'm going to ask... Different times. Someone Mm -hmm. asked me if you, uh, what would you do differently if you knew at 10 years old what you knew now, would would you have done anything differently? Wow, me? Huh. There's so much I would have done differently. It's hard to pick one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I told him, no, I would not have done anything differently because of it. I was taking it from an angle of events um, as far as how my life turned out. But you decided to be a, you told me to be a nurse. Yes, I, um, I realized that near 18 years old that I love nursing. I love taking care of people, actually. Uh-huh. You know, making people feel better. And I realized that I had an innate ability, gift, if you will, for assessing people before they even got close to me, before they even started speaking, for assessing their mental state or their physical state. Um, it was 
some almost 30 years later i finally figured out that i am what what some people would call an empath actually so i can tell a lot about people while they <laughs> in the room interesting interesting and your yeah. nursing then you focused since since you had this gift you focused more so on the older population you said on the older population yes i love listening to them i love caring for them and uh, it was very apparent to me that you know when they were having bad days they couldn't be faulted for their bad days because sometimes that's when they traveled in their mind to another time when they could have been you know more independent so to speak All right and it's not always nice having to wait on someone to do things for you so yeah that that was something that i understood and i was just always there and always patient and always willing because i i just loved it so much and i love hearing their stories we find it i think a joy to have um when younger people are willing to help take care of older people but sometimes it's not normal and i think in your experiences you'll find that maybe even many of their children does not want to come around them yes actually i i do remember having a client once and their their daughters her daughters couldn't understand her um they just knew she needed help and they were willing to get somebody to put there in the home to help her and that was it they didn't understand why she wanted to walk out of the yard they didn't understand why she would put on five suits of clothing they didn't understand why she would go and turn on this try to turn on the stove they didn't understand any of these things they just knew it knew it as some mysterious word called alzheimer's and that was it Right. They didn't try to understand when she would try to help them do dishes. That was another thing. She helped me do dishes one time, and I I didn't buff her up. I didn't reject her. I just asked her to kindly hold this kitchen towel for me, and she was happy to assist. Right, because um, I'm not sure if there's a translation lost between what someone is trying to say or do, or what. Um, or what the other population, the children and, and relatives are aware of what the person is trying to say or do. So you're exactly. saying you have the patience to yeah. give them the support and give them the sense of participation they're looking for. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I see. Do, you, do you think that skill set that you are demonstrating is a teachable skill set or people have to kind of come with it and want to have it? Oh, that's that's a big question. I, I think it's both. It can be taught, but there must you the individual must have a tendency towards it. Because if you don't have the right attitude, then they're not going to get it. Okay, because they're dealing with not a normal everyday person per se. There is a phrase once a man twice a child. Yes. And so you're looking at an adult who could be behaving like a child but yes. has an adult mind with an, uh, a whole, like a plethora of memories that they're trying to yes. implement. Yes, exactly. Because what happens is that you have, um, there's a stage in a child's life 
Um, I think it takes place somewhere between three and nine, and it's called the Id. It's when a child is it's that there's a stage, and I kind of broadened it a bit because sometimes development takes place late. So it can happen even as much as nine years old, but it can happen as early as two and three years old, right? And what you have is this child who, yes, I'm still a child, but yet I want to be, you know, I want to have my own autonomy. I want to be my own person. So right. I'm trying to make decisions for myself. And I think that phase repeats itself in the life of an elderly person. So it's like, the child is there, but then at the same time, they want to be independent. So you're telling them, oh, it's cold. Let's put on this blue coat. And they're telling you, no, I don't want to put that on. I want to put on the red one. And uh, yeah, <laughs> so that that phase sort of repeats itself in that at that time. And, and any memory can kick in, like a memory of having the ability to choose compared to being told that you must do what you're being told and so on. So that conflict exactly. in the mind. Yeah, so there's a conflict. And they definitely don't like being told what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I think nine-year-olds does not like to be told what to do, much less when you're 90 years old or, right. or any age. So I understand that very much and appreciate it. Um, but around you, how did things are changing around you? You had the, co the coronavirus, the uh, COVID, COVID-19 yeah. COVID there and you have other life experiences that you go through positive or negative that takes you through challenges what have you been experiencing well I um stepped away from elderly care or aging life care for a time in 2017 and I went to the other end of the spectrum I started looking I became certified through the office of the prime minister here in Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago in looking after children in institutions. So being a caregiver for children in institutions. So that was another end of the spectrum for me. Okay. Right. What age groups <laughs> are children in institutions? What age groups were you caring for or certified to care for? Um, I, my program taught me from baby to 18 years, but when I became employed, I worked with seven year old, nine years old, 12, 15 years old. Yes. And younger ages can be, you said institutionalized also? Oh yes. Interesting. Oh, oh yes. Yes. Um, sadly we have here in trinidad a plethora a number of tools you can't i can't even mention the number because i don't even know how much it is i just keep hearing the stories of children but not enough homes not enough centers not enough transition homes for the children and so that that's one of the sad realities I see. And most of the times it's like in a foster care relationship. Oh, no, no. Meaning, not, to, say, not, meaning to say their parents are not around in this case. Right. Exactly. In some of the cases, their parents are around but unable to care for them. In some of the cases, their parents are not around, period. Um, in some of the cases, their parents might even be incarcerated. 
I see, I see. They, they still become, in the US it's called the, the foster care system where, where children are cared for based on whatever circumstances they went through or going through. Right. Well, yes, I guess you can say that, but Trinidad care actually has a different connotation than it does in the US or other countries. Foster care in other countries, I can always be corrected, but I take it to mean that there are persons who have the resources and they're willing to taking to take anywhere between one to five or one to ten children and raise them in a foster care setting. The, these homes here in Trinidad, where the, the institutions, let's call them that, because that's what it is. It's an institution, right? Where the children reside, it's different. You, you can have anywhere from to 15 children up to maybe 60, 70 children. And uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like in a clinical institution. That's what they're, you're, you're talking about. Right. Which is it's in sort a of, sense is not a home. <laughs> no, it's no, it's not, it's not really a home. It's what passes for home because of course you have to live there. So it's your home, but it's more like a clinical institution because they're supposed to be social workers, they're supposed to be psychologists, they're supposed to be nurses, doctors are supposed to come visit you, um, reports have to be written on you on every shift. Yeah, so it's more like an institution. And I worked in that system. I began working there in 2017 till now. Well, till March, and that's when my, um, my own trauma took place. So, so tell us, um, what changed? What happened? Um, because one of the things you precursed this with is they're supposed to have doctors and nurses and psychologists and assistants and uh, documentation and so on. So it means that there's a lot of staff needed. What changed for you? Well, I was um, happily employed at one particular institution. And I left that institution for what I thought would be a better opportunity at another institution. Um, that, that book, Rags to Riches, I think that movie. Okay. I kind of thought that, that, hey, one of these days I'm going to be writing my own book from caregiver to manager because I went from being a caregiver in one institution without any bad reports, with good um, employment record, to being a manager at another children's school. And uh, I felt, hey, this is where I'm going to get a chance to make my mark. This is where I'm going to get a chance to be an agent of change. Because I realized that there were so many things wrong in this organization that I'd gone to that was so horrendously different from what I'd been trained for and for, from what I knew it was supposed to be that I hit the ground running. I began to make changes. I started left, right and center. I 
policies, you name it. Um, staff appraisals, within six to nine months, I was doing staff appraisals. Um, I had staff to deal with that didn't like the fact that this person came from nowhere and was trying to tell them what to do. And my vision, let's talk about my vision. The organization is one that is faith-based. And uh, I felt that we were in a good position not to only house children until the powers that became for them. But I felt that we were in a good position to holistically care for the child. And this is psychological, emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual. And that was not happening at all. I see. And I mean, I'm sure the outside public was under the imagination that that's what the vision was all along. But you're saying it was not, but yet when you started a, your role, you brought those things forward. Yes. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Um, it was a community that I'd known nothing about the location that I'm speaking of. I had never been to that community before, but in a very short space of time, I met key persons in the community, influential business people within the community and shared the vision with them, invited them to come to our organization, to our facility so that they can meet our children. They can know what we needed and the goodwill started pouring in. Right, because you met influencers and people who thought that you're correct, you needed your help. You needed their help. That's right, I needed their help and they were willing to do this. And so after, let me see, um, it was the, what I was offered was six months on probation with um, permanent after probation, after com successful completion of my probation and uh, <laughs> which I successfully completed as far as I knew. And as on the phone, backward and forward, I had board members telling me, oh, you're doing such a fantastic job. Oh, thank God you're there. I, we didn't know this was happening. We thought the previous manager did that. We didn't know that that wasn't done, etc., etc. things like that. And I say, well, okay, no worries. And I just got busy, got busy, did what I had to do, made the calls, made right, signed, spoke to people, went places. And you know, what really hurt is the fact that between January 27th and March 12th, the, organi the organization that had previously been busy commending me, then threw me under the bus. So something went wrong recently, you're saying? And yes. It was mostly affecting you or the whole organization, the children? Tell me. I think it affected some of the staff because some of the staff understood the vision. There were a couple of the staff members who understood the vision and where we were going. It was a really nice feeling, a sensation to have your 
licensing officer because you must be monitored as a a, to operate a children's home all children's home in the country is supposed to be monitored by the children's authority and it was really nice to have our licensing officer tell me in the beginning of january within the second week hey you've taken this place from zero percent ready for licensing to 70 percent ready and that was like wow we're pushing because that was my goal we're pushing to get licensed because the minute we get licensed we can fix our registration papers fix everything do all that we had to do legally and send out into the international world for assistance rather than just stay here nationally and um what happened on the 27th of January, there was a young man. It was brought to my attention. He is 17. He was 17 years old at the time, taller than me by about maybe two and a half feet or so. And uh, it came to my attention that he'd been making wine on the premises and uh, some of the other children had been drinking wine, including his own brother. Interesting. So I started reprimanding this young man and I spoke with him along with some of the other young men in the office. And, you know, I wanted to reprimand him and inform him, look, this is crazy. What you're doing is wrong. This is alcohol. This is a children's home. You're a minor. You know, I read him the riot act. (laughs) And one certain way to have a, a default on licensing. Yeah. Oh, yes, definitely. Because I mean, when you're having too many critical, we call them critical incidents. Any incident that happens in a children's residence that must get written up is called a critical incident, right? Especially when it involves things like alcohol, drugs, fights, wounding, death, that sort of thing. Right. And uh, I remember that in reprimanding him, he became very, you know, he became disrespectful to me. He became sarcastic to me. And I walked up to him because it was a very small office. It's not a huge office, it's a small office. And I walked up to him and I braced him like this. So I just adjust my camera so you can see. So I braced him against the chest like this. I said, listen to me, because I'm trying to impress upon this young man. His life could be over just for this. If I call the police and he don't recognize what he's done, where he's heading, you know, this is a charge, right? This is this is an offense. It's a criminal offense, and you can be jailed. And as I say to him, listen to me, he swung out at me and hit me. <laughs> and I fell, glasses sliding off my face, down onto the side of a chair. And I think... For the first time in my life, I don't know, all reason just sort of, it was just like for the very first time in my 43 years of life, and there you have it, uh, 43. (laughs) Everything just went hazy. I, I couldn't figure out what was happening, and I just grabbed for the first thing my hand fell on, and I hit this, this young man back. Um... Within a couple of minutes, I sort of like, whoa, wait a minute, what just happened? What did you do? Oh my gosh, 
But then I still continued to function very calmly, followed all my protocols, did everything I was supposed to do. The police was called. The young man was taken to the hospital. I did everything I was supposed to do. Reports were written by the next day because this is now night. Reports were written the next day, sent up to the relevant authorities, wherever, everybody, the board, the children's authority, you name it. The board never came to investigate the incident until near one week and a half later. That's when the board came. The second thing is the reports that went to Children Authority is not the report. I mean, unless somebody destroyed it, I saw those reports go to Children Authority myself. I have a copy of them. And it's not the same report the board used when they decided <laughs> to terminate me. I see. And I say, whoa, what happened here? And I realize because in January, I discovered that one, the organization was not registered with Board of Inland Revenue. I recognized that two, we had to re-register as a non-profit organization in order to come into compliance with the new amendment to the Finance Act here in Trinidad and Tobago. And when I went to re-register, every time I asked the assistant for the 2018 figures because they want the last three years, she can't find them. She don't know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> now, I start working there in March 2020, but I realized there's a lot of inconsistencies, a lot of errors, process errors, things are wrong, things are crazy, filing is crazy, you can't find nothing in the office. I'm like, okay, so I'm just plugging away, trying to do this thing, do the best I can, correct all that I can, fix and implement all at the same time until this incident happens. And there you have it. This, the yeah. staff and all the people who didn't want me there, the people who wanted to come and sleep in their short pants and in their negligees and i told them no you can't do that this is a children's home right the people who wanted to wear slippers to come to work all these people added to the reports and say oh yeah she did this and oh yeah she did that and oh yeah she did the other and the board never asked me a question they just fired me <laughs> And so what turned out to be the most wonderful gift that was coming your way um, was a Pandora's box in disguise. Okay, thank you. Just imagine this story. And there's more. It's taking an interesting turn. Let's continue in the next episode as we continue on talking to Shelly Ann and see how things turn. Continue following us on our Instagram page, freetalkwithmrb.com. Our webpage, www.freetalkwithmrb.com. There is so much going on. Let's blog together. Let's talk together. Come on and see you next week as we continue this conversation.